Happy Hump Day and welcome to the Francesca and Melissa are on their own again. Who knows where this conversation will go edition of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. As of our recording, Jesse is in Puerto Rico making friends with all the neighborhood kitties and chicks. Seriously, animal friends everywhere. This week, we are going to wade through the draft insights report pertaining to the still gestating Richmond 300, a guide for growth working together to create the next citywide master plan. Because here in RVA, we always stick to the master plan. Who do you think you're fooling? Yeah, right, sure. I guess the sky is falling. Hey, we've heard it all before. You pulled the wool right over our eyes too many times with all your lies. So who do you think you're fooling? Yeah, right, sure. Beginning in July of 2017, with hopes for adoption in 2020, this is the master plan to end all master plans. The Insights Report draft gives us an idea of the areas we'll be focusing on during the building of the Richmond 300 master plan. We've had a whole lot of master plans and neighborhood plans and riverfront plans over the years. The city website lists 19 in its planning and development review section. It's a veritable Marcus Bart, Marcus Bart, Marcus Bart. It's a fascinating rabbit hole that I suggest you fall down, even if only for the lol sobs. The implementation of this particular master plan is set to coincide with the 300th anniversary of Richmond, hence the Richmond 300. That would put us in 2037. Seeing is how our city is only 62.5 square miles and we can't actually go any further. We're barred from annexation, don't you know? So master plans such as these help determine how to plan for growth and maximizing our potential within the limited footprint of our city. Here's a fun factoid for you. The first map of the city was laid out in 1737 by Major William Mayo, a civil engineer and slave owner. Surprising. At the request of William Byrd II, planter, statesman, author, and slave owner and trader, who apparently liked to play cruel pranks on the African people he owned. Wonderful. I share a birthday with him. Gross. Byrd Park is named for him, and he is considered the founder of this fair city. Fantastic. He gave up 50 acres to start up this grand venture called Richmond. The gridded street pattern remains today in Shaco Bottom. So if you hate trying to do anything in Shaco Bottom, blame these jerkwads. Our last citywide master plan was adopted in 2001. That's way back there. What goals have been met? Any big glaring plans not come to fruition? Hmm. Mm, well, <laughs> there's quite a few, Fran, <laughs> I'm sure you have noticed. <laughs> like, you know, the uh, fact that we were supposed to be working on high-speed rail, but that looks like nothing but a pipe dream. I guess. I guess. Um, mm. You know, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that maybe was left out. Now they've got the bike routes, you know, they've started on bike routes. Kinda. Kinda. And they've started on a new transit plan, kinda, with the pulse. Like just now. Just now. Remember, 2001. One. <laughs> okay, so the libraries actually is listed on here, which is funny because mm -hmm. Parker just now in 2018 hmm. made provisions in the budget to keep. Hmm. Libraries open longer. Mm, well, gosh darn it. Gosh darn it. I mean, <laughs> it takes a really long time, Fran, no. to get I know. this it stuff takes together. Years. I get it. I it get does. It. So it looks like in the old master plan that they had started to talk about, you know, poverty deconcentration and things like. Uh, oh, we're doing that. Yeah. Uh, things like, you know, the Creighton Project. That's 
that's Still. 11 years later. Okay. Just keeping, giving y'all a timeline here. Just a timeline. This is like, this is crazy. Our so. last master plan. Here we go. The goals for Richmond, I thought were really interesting uh, here. Um, Richmond will have a positive in- image and reputation unmatched among similar sized cities. Okay. That is one of the goals that they set for themselves back in 2001 when this was adopted. And I'm wondering what kind of image we are projecting right now to other cities. Hmm. I don't know. Listeners, what do y'all think? We want to hear about it on Twitter. Yep, we absolutely do. (laughs) This one cracks me up. Richmond's water resources will be of the highest quality and available in sufficient quantities. Bye. Well, it is available in sufficient quantities, but it still tastes kind of like poop. (laughs) That's just me. Maybe that's just me. Like, if you you get it unfiltered out of of the tap. I got well water. Highest quality. Yeah, I got well water. I ain't drinking no city water. Let's see. Any other visions and goals we want to talk about before we move on? No, because they're just getting depressing. It's, okay, point. so it's just going to be depressing. So anyway, <laughs> um, we scrapped this master plan because apparently we've got a better one in the works. Hmm. Okay. That's going to be done by our 300th anniversary in 2037. Okay. Well, it only took us 11 years to nail, what was that, three of those? So. Yeah, so. All righty, here we okay. go. Well, what's the point of the master plan? Uh, <clears throat> right now, it's a document that sets the vision for the city and guides development and public infrastructure. City Planning Commission and the City Council use the master plan to review zoning, by right, special use permits, rezonings, uh, capital improvement budget, budget uh, projects like buildings, roads, bike lanes, sidewalks, utilities, public space, parks, etc. So who's going to use it? We've got the city administrator and the city staff. Residents and business owners, developers and architects and builders, um, all those people will use that plan to execute their business and dealing with the city. Yep, and it, supposedly it's supposed to give uh, lay people like us um, an idea of the direction that we're uh, striving to go in. A lot of these things may kind of seem lofty. And in this um, this insights report, huh. this draft mm-hmm. that we're looking at here, it's kind of um, all of the little bits and pieces that will lead up to the creation of this master plan. So right now we actually don't have a master plan. Like I said, in the beginning, it's still gestating. It's in its very, very tiny Mm-hmm. Fetal stages. They got they got lots of lots of little you know attention grabbers too. There's a little box over here to the side, and it says uh, you know why should you care about Richmond 300 and the and the master plan? And uh, it says Richmond 300 has the power to transform our neighborhoods to become the city we want it to be by using the city and its people that we have. But you have to be engaged. If you care about schools, if you care about multimodal accessible transit, if you care about the James River, because that's important, if you care about gentrification and affordable housing, if you care about access to healthy foods, and if you care about entrepreneurship and business diversity, you should care about Richmond 300. Oh, I like this. Don't wait to be mad and complain later. <laughs> Engage now and help construct the city you believe we are and should be. Mm-hmm. So if you want to actually follow along with this, uh, you can go to richmond300.com and the insights report is right there mm-hmm. at the beginning. And uh, please feel free to follow along with us. Hit us up on Twitter later after this episode and discuss it with us because there's a whole lot of meat here and we might not get to everything yeah, there's that a lot is of document. going into what will be our master plan. Let's see. Next little portion of it, uh, it says, who's putting this plan together? And uh, <laughs> you and <laughs> exclamation points. Yes, they they <laughs> they want us to be heavily involved. Us meaning the citizenry. So mm-hmm. there's going to be lots of meetings to go to that we'll discuss. Um, and 
supposedly lots and lots and lots of opportunities for public comment. So, yeah. um, and at the end of the show, we'll discuss how you can get involved. Yeah, it says the master plan will be developed with extensive community input. And yes, I know, we've heard all that before. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it doesn't hurt to be hopeful that they mean it. Um, but everybody, you know, be cautiously optimistic. Like We like to warn folks to be cautiously optimistic mm-hmm. when things like this happen. Because it does sound very exciting. Like when you start looking through all this and looking through all the plans, it does, it looks, you know, pretty cool and exciting. Um, but then there's the realities. And so when we start getting in, into um, the meat of this, you'll you'll see what we mean. There's also, uh, the city has adopted five small area plans and nine amendments since the 2001 master plan was adopted. Um, And because they call the master plan a living document, the city updates portions of the plan to respond to changing conditions, modify existing policies, or examine an area of the city in greater detail. Some of the other plans that have (laughs) already been, you know, passed that haven't actually come to fruition yet Uh, is the downtown plan from 2008 the riverfront plan from 2012 oh i remember a lot of talk about that hey blouse you remember that too Mm -hmm. uh hall street revitalization plan from 2014 Mm -hmm. the vuu chamberlain neighborhood plan from 2015 so that's not that old yet Mm -mm. but the one that has been actually started on is the pulse quarter plan from 2017 Mm -hmm. that's moving and that's moving and we are about to open the pulse uh, to the public on June 24th, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. And we'll see how that affects uh, the city's master plan. And there have been, you know, there have been lots of other master plans or, you know, neighborhood plans that have been developed by other groups that are outside of the city that they don't necessarily consider official. Official, yeah. Like, uh, so last last week we discussed the Greater Fulton plan mm-hmm. and how stone brewing was kind of, you know, folded into that. that yeah. That was from uh, 2011. Also in 2011, the East End Transformation Plan, which was developed by Bonsa Corps. Oh, okay. Um, and that had extensive community input and engagement from the city and oh, RRHA, our favorite. Uh-huh. Um, also, fun fact, I found a plan that really didn't go very far from 1996 for my neighborhood, Highland Park, <laughs> Southern Tip, or Chestnut Hill, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, hey, planners, can we settle on calling both parts of Highland Park, just Highland Park? Because uh, Southern Tip feels kind of like I need an adult. <laughs> just a thought. Okay, so if you look at this racial density map, if you're familiar with Richmond at all, it's not going to be surprising to you. <laughs> so you've got the the section from, say, Belvedere all the way up to uh, where the river is, basically, you know, Libby and Grove and everything, and that is Richmond So White. Mm -hmm. It is a giant corridor of white people. And then you have over to the north, also not surprising, from Chamberlain, you know, all the way through north side and through the east end, Mm -hmm. it's predominantly black. Mm -hmm. And it's where a lot of our concentrated poverty is. Another place where there's a lot of concentrated poverty is if you skip on over the river uh, and head to Southside mm-hmm. in the 8th and 9th districts, you will see a large black community, but also a large Latino and Hispanic community. Well, what, what happens is you've got this nice little barrier that runs right along the river, um, <clears throat> waterfront property, and uh, you get cut right out at Sims, and then it goes right on up to Forest Hill, and then across the Powhite, and it's lots of little white dots, or lots of little white people, little blue dots represented on the map. And then, you know, south of that is everybody else. Right. And 
Um, <laughs> you know, and it does. If you look at this map, it looks so segregated. Richmond looks so segregated in 2018. It's not? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to say that. Oh. <laughs> My bad. And <clears throat> I hope that, you know, with this information and with the way this master plan goes, that maybe we will see a little more intermingling uh, and we'll see this racial density map change by 2037. It would be nice. People yeah. need to, you know, stop being afraid of certain areas. Mm-hmm. Or just use this map to find your people. Just find mm-hmm. your, exactly. It's okay if you want to find your group, your cultural um, niche, and go live with them and make your community better. Hey, I mean, because I see a lot of orange dots right, right around here in this Hall Street area, mm-hmm. and I know I, I lost my Mexican grocery store close to me, so I'm going to go down there and see if I can find me one. Best tacos in Richmond are in Southside, folks, mm-hmm. just FYI. So uh, I thought this was interesting also right under this map. It says, while Latinos only make up 6% of Richmond's total population, 10% of school-age children, 10% are Latino in 2015 compared to the 3% in 2000. That's a triple amount mm-hmm. since that time. That's our, that looks like our fastest-growing population. That's our fastest-growing population, and we don't have... We don't have enough services for them. <sighs> Okay. Yeah. That's so fine. So they know. It's, it's it's right here on paper. Right. So, hey, master planners, this is definitely um, an area you should be focusing in on. And okay. maybe if we go to some of these meetings, Fran, we'll make sure that mm-hmm. that topic is brought up. <laughs> this is interesting. Racial and ethnic groups are concentrated in certain neighborhoods, which continues in hist- a historic trend. Through this document, so we're finding out that Richmond is actually less dense than other cities with similar land area. Um, it's less dense than Norfolk, Minneapolis, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C., and so those cities have vibrant downtown districts and also maintain low-scale neighborhoods with distinct characteristics and a variety of housing options. Mm. That's what it says. Residential density matters because a higher population can attract more retail options, like the grocery stores that a lot of our neighborhoods do not have. And desperately need. And desperate. Yes, you're so right. Can make public transit more feasible and make it fiscally feasible to provide other services. So if we get more people, that's how we get the service we need mm-hmm. yeah if we attract more people to live in Richmond then then the people who already live here will finally get services hmm that's interesting yeah I just so when I read things like that it's like okay so why are why are the people who are already here depending on more people coming in before we can get things like quality grocery stores and food for people who live in low income to moderate income areas it's the trickle down effect yeah Yes, because that works so well, right? (laughs) Public transit, it's a huge topic of discussion around here, and I know it's going to factor very heavily into this master plan. Mm -hmm. And sure, everybody's got high hopes for the pulse, but that doesn't solve the problem of getting into the neighborhoods that are super packed full of people who ride the bus. I still don't personally think that our bus system is enough for them. Well, you know? the issue is you've got a bus system, right? And this pulse is supposed to, you know, connect two parts of the city that we think there's a need for transportation and there's access to jobs and other things that our community needs. Okay? That applies. Okay, we get it. But, I mean, 
It's a little bit bigger than that. I mean, if you if that's how you're going to center the point of this is why we need the pulse or this is why we need the bus system or anything else, you know, you have to think about everybody that's affected. So are you going to have bus routes to the most affected areas or the areas that need it and then run the pulse from there? Or do I have to now get on a, you know, a bus from my neighborhood and then bus into where the nearest pulse picks up. Yeah, I'm just wondering how many transfers eventually yeah, like, will take yeah, like, for you know, some folks to get to where they need to go. Yeah, it's it's not a centralized system like a subway system or something in New York or a bigger city or D.C. You know, you've got multiple transfers. You know, imagine a, a mom getting her kids off to school and then needing to get to work and taking multiple transfers to get there. Is she going to get to work on time or does she need to leave the house at 5 o'clock? Right. <laughs> You get the short pop. Seriously, sit and imagine trying to plan out your entire day, every day, around the bus. And maybe the buses that are not on the pulse line, you know, aren't as uh, reliable or come to you in... Um, a timely fashion. While we're on the topic of transit, uh, they have a a factoid in here that most Richmonders continue to drive to work alone, that there are more Richmonders walking and biking to work, but 73% of working Richmonders still drive to work by themselves. No carpools, no buddy system. They just drive. Um, Also, Speaking of the pulse and the bus, bus ridership is decreasing, Fran. Mm-hmm. Um, so as compared to 2016, bus ridership is really exponentially declining. Ridership fell by 9% between mm. 2016 and 2017. And the monthly ridership for this year, this fiscal year, 2018, indicates a continued downward trend in ridership. wonder why. Is the bus reliable? Is it on time? Maybe you don't want to have to sit at the transfer station. In the heat? In the heat. Or in the rain or in the snow hmm. uh, with no shelter okay. next to the rather crumbling and dangerous looking public safety building. <laughs> Which is, hey folks, Irony if you don't that. know, right behind City Hall. So our city leaders have to look at it every day. Mm-hmm. Their parking lot is directly across the street from it. They see it. They walk through it. Is it helping? I don't think so. Oh, so bikes. So Richmonders love their bikes. Some to the point of neurotic obsession. (laughs) Um, I'm all for exercise and saving the environment, but dudes, your bike is not your girlfriend. (laughs) I'm just saying some folks pay more attention to their bikes and their significant others. Uh, Anyway, DPW has developed a bike master plan, and that was in 2014. There are currently 25 miles of buffered bike lanes with more on the way. I do hope that the new ones connect to the old ones because y'all's map is something. It's kind of all over the place and nothing really connects. Hmm. Um, And maybe as these become more commonplace, both bike riders and car drivers will understand how they work better. Uh, We also have a bike share network in the city now, and that's pretty cool, especially for for out-of-town for tourists, you know, that maybe are are taking the bus into town. And they're like, hey, let me go bike around this park system mm-hmm. that we have because we do have a pretty extensive park system. Or Segway. Or Segway. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm telling you, if you haven't taken a Segway tour of Richmond, do it. Do it. <laughs> One of the best things I've ever done. Thank you so much, Jesse. <laughs> She's not here, so we have to give her shout outs. And um, that definitely was One of the highlights of my life was taking a Segway tour (laughs) through Richmond. (laughs) You feel so free. Uh, Sidewalks. (laughs) 
Oh, sidewalks. So Richmond really is a great town for walking. It's beautiful. Um, birds chirping, dogs out, whatever. But if you do like treacherous obstacles, then our sidewalks are for you. And stub toes. Yeah, do it. <sighs> I wish I was kidding. So the Insights report doesn't actually currently have any data on sidewalk repairs or improvements, but by golly, we can still I bet hope. They don't. <laughs> yeah, that one day all the sidewalks in the city will be walkable or rollable if you're in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. Because right now, our sidewalks aren't very ADA compliant, if you know. Mm -mm. We, so we have, if you don't notice, if you're not a walker around here, um, we have sidewalks that still have damage from past hurricanes where trees were uprooted and pulled the sidewalks up. <laughs> like massive inclines, huge cracks, um, patches in them that, like, who did this? Who did this? Just a straight sinkhole. Oop, that's can't say that word. Oh, so also, a uh, <laughs> little background into that. Um, if you do have a sinkhole in your yard or in the alley and you report it, the city of Richmond is going to insist that you call it a cave-in. Yeah. Semantics, I know, but make sure you use the right terminology. It's very important, as I found out. Um, oh, so also, um, traffic injury and deaths are still a major problem here. So maybe we should focus on the road and our surroundings instead of Becky's texts. Right, Karen? Mm-hmm. Okay, girl. <laughs> also, trains. So we talked about trains a little bit earlier, but there's really not a lot of info there yet either, um, even though this is a topic that's been bandied about a lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, so we've been talking about high-speed rail forever, it seems like. And I feel like that's a thing that should be decided and implemented as soon as possible because America is woefully behind on public transit, especially in the high-speed rail front. We've got a beautiful train station downtown, and it's really just begging for a zippy train to swoop in from New York or D.C. And I really do hope to see developments like that, you know, so that maybe folks can have um, a more affordable way to get to other states on the East Coast Mm -hmm. in a quick manner um it doesn't make sense that we don't have that well you know and they just improved the building and made it all pretty and it gets one train a day yeah well, it's richmond so um, our airport. in certain sections of <laughs> <laughs> our international airport richmond international i know the one that i drive past and go to dulles i know because <laughs> there are zero international flights mm-hmm all right, get it together, Richmond. Come on, we can do this. So in this document, they are asking us to consider a few things. And, you know, I, I'd like to, to consider a few things. Fran, would you like to consider a few things? Let's, let's, let's consider. consider. <laughs> Given that our transportation infrastructure has been developed over 300 plus years, you think? where would you invest over the next 20 years? It well, would definitely be in, you know, high rail, I mean, high speed rail. Um, I really think that the bus infrastructure needs to be uh well we're lagging we're really the, lagging behind the bus it's uh, well here's my system. thing you know i don't want to discourage them because it is helpful however i think that the bus system just needs to be reevaluated you know we need to look at you know who's riding the bus who we want to encourage to ride the bus and how to make it more accessible to everyone. And we mean beyond the surveys that GRTC has already done because they've already been proven to be flawed. When you don't survey people who work nine to five and ride that bus every single Monday through Friday yeah. because they're at work and you just didn't think that that was a good time to interview folks, mm. that's a problem. Those people were not really considered when um, the transit network plan uh, started mm -mm. 
So we, I think we need to go back and mm-hmm. do some real down and dirty surveys of people who ride the bus. Yeah, who depend on the bus service to get them back and forth to work on time. Um, you've also got, you know, an infrastructure that we have, you know, bus services busing kids to school. And you have a lot of kids who prefer to ride the bus or would like to ride the bus. You know, I, I just think it just needs to be looked at a lot better. Yep, maybe with a finer tooth comb or a bigger magnifying glass. Ooh. I ride the bus if I have to sit in the heat. Yeah. Also, for people who don't ride the bus, parking. Oh, dear Lord. So what are we even thinking parking will look like in 2037? Do you think there will be self-driving cars? Will we just be full of bikes everywhere? Well, here's my issue with parking, okay? I drive into the city, and regardless of what I'm driving, I have to park it somewhere. Usually, it's a race or a battle between accessibility to a park in general and then how much I have to pay for it. Right. We have very few public parking decks in town, which to me actually doesn't make a ton of sense because you want people to walk, you want people to bike, you want people to go to our park system, mm-hmm. but they've, they're coming from the counties. Yeah, or you've got businesses that are crying for business and for people to walk for foot traffic, and there's nowhere to park to get to them. If you go anywhere close to the VCU area, you know, you might as well park. I don't know. I don't know where you tell you to park. And I know people are... It's hard. Yeah, and I know people are... There are a lot of people, the bike folks, that are rabid about not having any extra parking for cars because they just don't want any extra cars in the city but that's just not realistic Mm -hmm. i mean in my mind it's just not realistic so if we do use some of the vacant lots that we have to put up public affordable or free parking decks i feel like we will increase you know the revenue in town because people will say oh parking's not that bad in the city anymore i can go in and i can shop at these boutiques mm-hmm. i can go to these restaurants that everybody talks about mm-hmm. you you need to make it accessible for everyone and if you want those tourism dollars you're going to have to make accommodations for car drivers mm-hmm. and give them an option to i may want to go in a store and You know, let's say if I need to go in the store and I'm going to walk the block, I'm going to walk from here to here to here. I'm going to visit a couple stores. Well, I can't. I got to go back to my car and move it with the two hour limit. You know, well, go ahead and make a limit. If you're going to make all parking, you know, cost something, then, you know, if I want to pay for four hours, let me pay for four hours. Sure. You know, I mean, that's not making it easy on me as a driver if I've got to park you know, one side of the street is two hour parking. The other side of the street is 25 minute parking. And I need to go and I got this park, but actually I need to go six blocks away because I couldn't find a park there. By the time I get there, I've cost me 10 minutes. I'm walking time. I'm out of breath. I'm sweaty. I need a Slurpee. And there's somebody I'm getting a ticket before I can get back to my car. Right. So let's work on that. Citizens. All right. Maybe we should get some more parking and less event venues. Huh. <laughs> we should turn one of these event venues into a parking lot. Redskins training camp, you should. There you go. There you go. Parking lot commuter parking. Get us a bus running. We built this city. We built this city on rock and this city. We built this city on rock and roll.
You are right smack in the middle of listening to RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. Talking about tourist dollars, right? You know, folks coming in. Um, We have 3,000 acres of parkland here in Richmond. That's what this is telling me. And 76% of Richmonders live within a 10-minute walk of a park. The majority of park visitors are non-Richmond residents. Yep. So that means we have park tourism. Yeah. Which means we're going to need parking. Parking. Yeah. For our parks. Most maybe of sh- our- Or maybe we should expand on our, since we know we're getting tourists, come look at that. Maybe we should, you know, expand on that and not so many out-of-town breweries and other stuff. I don't know. Uh, that's just me. Or whatever. <laughs> Stick with what you know. I mean, they like the parks. Give them a park. Exactly. And so we have a a whole bunch of park plans and most are non-controversial unless, of course, you're speaking about Monroe Park or Loris Park. Um, And if you (laughs) if you really want to get into that drama, which we're not going to right now, Mm -hmm. but you can listen to a few past episodes of our show um, or multiple episodes of Open Source RVA for the skinny on all of the park drama, especially on Monroe Park uh, concerning the Monroe Park Conservancy. Um, Both shows have SoundCloud accounts. So please feel free. (laughs) to listen to those and kind of get up to speed on that we do not have enough time in this show to talk about monroe park right now no no but we have a lot of parks residents should care about them voice your opinion y'all should go see them don't let the tourists out out show you in your richmond go to your parks take a, a picnic take your family dip your feet in the james it's cleaner now i promise <laughs> than when i was a child oh gosh Oh, gosh. Okay, so we're going to move on to some topics that are heavy. Okay. Property, poverty, public health, and crime. Uh-oh. Uh, and we're going to talk about schools in there, too, because all of these interconnect. Might as well throw that in there because that's a part of the wheel, too. Yes, all of these interconnect. Here's another fun fact for you. Go ahead and... and Take your Xanax now, folks. 26% of Richmonders are living in poverty, and 40% of those are children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the median income in Richmond has decreased. That's and surprising. It appears to be increasing when adjusted for inflation, but median household incomes are actually lower than they were in 1990. Poverty is still concentrated in Big chunks around the city. Wonder why. Right. Can we? We're just going to go ahead and say that's because of racism. Hmm. We're going to be real because that's what we do here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the poverty rate increased from twenty one point four percent in two thousand to twenty four point six percent in twenty fifteen. The East End and uh, large portions of South Side really are our poorest sections of town. Also, uh, sections of North Side. But you're never going to hear about poverty in the West End, kids. Mm-mm. It just doesn't touch them. Mm-mm. And so I feel like maybe some folks uh, in the West End might be out of touch with what a large portion of our city's residents are going through. And I do hope that in this master plan, uh, light is really shined on the poverty stricken here. It would be nice. but And they are heavily considered in this Richmond 300 master plan. I hope so. But it shouldn't involve moving them out of their houses and redistributing them around the city. Right, because we see how well that has worked. Blackwell, Fulton. In this 
master plan, I'm sure the Creighton redevelopment is considered. Mm-hmm. And if you listened to us last week, you know how we feel about that. Mm-hmm. That there's land right around there that could be built upon by the city. And none of these people would actually have to be disturbed until it was time to move into their new apartment. Mm. But Richmond doesn't work that way. Who do, you, who do you scream at to get it to work that way? Who do you scream at? Because there are a lot of people screaming, advocates, residents, us. Mm-hmm. And it, it consistently seems like those voices are just not heard or they're trampled over. Well, you know, there's got to be a larger amount of taxpayers screaming with all these other people. Oh, yes. Once you get into a higher tax bracket, that means your opinion matters more. A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they ask us here, the, um, the makers of this insight report, ask us to consider this. Why is poverty concentrated? We don't have enough time. No. Uh, today, uh, Madam President, to go into that. No, we don't, and we've we've gone into it on other episodes, and we will go into it again, I am sure, because it's a hot topic. It's a hot topic. It's a daily topic for the people who live it and have been living it since, you know. And it's a continual, Richmond. <laughs> conti- it's a continual issue because you have people that will kind of throw stuff up against the wall just to see what sticks to fix it, but there's just some things that just don't make logical sense. So it's been concentrated since... <laughs> the governing body decided that was a good thing to do. Yeah. And it continues to remain concentrated because of the systems in place that govern different aspects of resources, help, and um, assistance associated with those things. And taking people out of their communities that you've insisted they stay in for so long and drive their property value up with lots of gentrification and or moving them to other areas that they won't necessarily be able to afford to stay in. And they don't know, taking them away from family members, neighbors just, that they've had for I don't know. It just decades. it it just sounds like I don't know what kind of trigonometry they're doing. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't maybe I don't get the algorithm. I don't know. But it just doesn't make sense, logical sense to approach some of these problems the way that they've been approached in Richmond. But maybe this 300 has something new that we don't know about yet. And, hey, they're offering us the opportunity to be involved. So go speak up. Go speak up, please. Another thing that goes into the concentrated areas of poverty is urban heat vulnerability. That goes into public health, but... This time of year, as we get into more 90-degree days, uh, this discussion starts to kick up. There's a there's an article or three every summer um, in the Times-Dispatch or Richmond Magazine or whatever about the heat in the projects. Mm-hmm. The projects are nearly devoid of any natural shade. There's no trees Mm-mm, for or, most of the courts. Or grass. Or grass. Um, central air is a laughable amenity. Um, in most of these neighborhoods where residents are reliant on one, two, if they're lucky, window unit ACs. Mm-hmm. So everything is concrete and it swelters so quickly. And none of the residents are allowed to plant anything in the ground. Mm-mm. That's that's a fun fact also there for you. This whole discussion is full of fun factoids, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So if you're not allowed to plant any shade trees, <laughs> there mm-hmm. are no shade trees. And it's just a concrete jungle. 
and the and the way that the buildings are arranged, they impede the air, the flow of air. It's anyway. incredibly hot, and in those areas, you get large, um, well, large sections of people getting heat sick. You have elderly folks that don't have any way to get the air that they need. Um, no, there's Fire. no, there's just no relief. There's just no relief there, and so uh, we are also hoping that this is something that's addressed. Um, speaking of, because this is a public health issue, Richmonders living in high-income areas live 20 years longer than Richmonders living in low-income areas. Hmm. Wow. wonder why. Um, well, maybe it's because there's no access to healthy foods or community centers with gyms or programs for children to get out and exercise. Um, one in 10 Richmonders has diabetes. Hmm. 13% of Richmonders are not within a mile of healthy food options. A mile. A mile. And I experienced that. And I'm not I'm not living in poverty, but I live in an area that... Um, it's a food desert. That is a food desert and does have a high concentration of poverty. Mm-hmm. And you've got kids going to bodegas for dinner. Yeah. Instead of their parents being able to, say, go to an Aldi and get them fresh food to make it home. It, and so we're supposed to wait for those options until more people move into those areas, apparently. Ain't nobody moving into those areas. Because there's no grocery stores. Voluntarily. Right. Well, unless you're me. Oh. <laughs> you're special. But how are you... How are you telling people, we're here for you, we're going to help you um, with the poverty situation, we're going to help you with your schools, we're going to help your kids um, grow up healthy and strong, when no one will put a grocery store into these neighborhoods. But we're not supposed to eat. And of course, so the percentage of Richmond adults who are overweight or obese is increasing, also children, the number of Obese Richmonders grew by 25% from 2011 to 2014, from 52% to 65.3%. That is really bad. Mm. We really need to have this conversation in Richmond, and it needs to work into this master plan. Like, we need to have a real come-to-Jesus moment. Put the biscuit Mm. down. Come to Jesus. We need to talk about weight loss in this city. Because if you don't have healthy food options, and you're going to the corner market, or you're going to the family dollar to get some junky old microwave meal or some Takis and a Sunny D, you're going to be fat. Anybody eating no Takis, they expensive, girl. <laughs> we eat wrap snacks. Exactly. But if you're, if that's your choice, if that's the food option you have within walking distance. Choice? That's the, it ain't no choice. <laughs> right. You go hungry or you eat what's available. <laughs> so... I'm hoping that affordable food options within walking distance in these neighborhoods, uh, you know, weighs heavily in this master plan discussion because it really is shocking how many neighborhoods we have that don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables unless you grow them yourself. But you can't can't plant them in the ground. And if you live in the courts, y'all, you can't plant it in the ground. Mm -mm. You can't. You not can't that have it would yourself survive a little anyway. No. Not that it would survive anyway. Not in those dust bowls. You can't even, the grass won't even grow. No. And so you don't have proper heating and cooling. You don't have any money. You don't have any good food. You're sick, you're overweight. All these things. What's bound to happen? Property crime, right? No, you win the lottery. Oh. Hmm. In reality, crime goes up. 
Yeah. When you feel like you're living in dire straits, crime goes up. When your schools hmm. aren't up to snuff, which we don't need to go into that full discussion, but y'all know. We're not going there today. If you don't know that our schools are in dire straits by now, I don't know what city you've been living in. But all of these factors lead to crime. Now, our nonviolent crime rate is decreasing, uh, which is, it looks good on paper, but the concentrations of violent and nonviolent crimes are hanging out in our concentrated poverty areas. And so, you know, you hear people say, oh, well, you know, that's their problem. That's their fault. No, it's not. It's your problem. And sometimes it's your fault. And that's a hard truth that we need to swallow here. And this is a discussion that needs to continue. So please go to these public meetings Mm -hmm. and discuss it with your neighbors. Discuss how you think that we can truly get the crime down. Well, first, it's I don't want people showing up to these meetings going, this is how we stop crime. Well, right, because you don't want it to be a a devolve into like a NIMBY fest. Yeah, well, because for one, you have to unpack the issues as to why we got here. And that's what we just finished talking about. So, you know, if you feel like you want crime to decrease in your area, then you need to look at not who's committing the crime, but why they're committing the crime. You know, I'm sure you're going to have some, I mean, there are just going to be some people too that will always just break the law. Okay, fine. But when you don't have access to certain things that, you may not even think are important to you, but for someone who's never had them or doesn't have them or doesn't have adequate access to them, you know, it's more about causation and availability to other options. And if your kids don't have anywhere to go after school and there's no bus available in the, you know, there's no library open for them to go to, there's no bus to get them to somewhere else for other healthy options of extracurricular activities. The schools are falling apart when they're in school. They're certainly not going to be encouraged to go during the summer to go get, I don't know, chewed on by Chester the rat that lives in the classroom. I mean, you know, what else are they going to do but hang out on a Saturday, you know, in the closest park that you don't want them to go into and you don't want them hanging around too many of them because they're going to pose a problem or threat to somebody or, you know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So it's a collective issue and it's not just one thing. You know, Richmond is a boat that has lots of holes in it. And so some holes are bigger than others and we have to find the place to plug a couple holes here and a couple holes there while somebody else buckets out the water. Yeah. I mean, there's no one fix it all. This is going to take time. And that's what this is. This is a a long span plan for the city that a couple, and not a couple people, but there's several different teams of people that got together to form this plan. And they're asking for public, this is the part we keep coming back to because this is the important part. They're asking for public input to continue to further develop the plan. And so, yeah, we're here offering our opinions on it, our thoughts on it, and yours may differ from ours. You may have alternate solutions. So instead of listening to us and griping at your radio or griping at us on Twitter. You can do that, too. We don't, you, we don't mind doing that, too. Whatever. But take those ideas, take those opinions, go to these meetings and voice them. You have a vision for Richmond? Now's your ch- now's your chance to let everybody know what it is. Um, so 
there are many ways you can actually get involved uh, with the Richmond 300 plan. Uh, you can sign up to receive email updates at richmond300.com, which you should absolutely do. Mm-hmm. If you are on social media, uh, Richmond 300 has Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can check this out. They're asking you to stop by the Richmond 300 office. Mm-hmm. Uh, the office hours are on the second and fourth Thursday of the month from 3 to 5 p.m., and that's at 900 East Broad Street, which, if you don't know, that's City Hall, mm-hmm. and room 511. Um, if your organization, if you have an organization, a nonprofit that's interested in hosting an education event, uh, you can attend an advisory council meeting. Those are the second Wednesday of the month from 4 to 6 p.m. at the main library on Franklin Street. There are going to be parking meetings because obviously we have parking issues. Mm -hmm. So uh, if that's that's what's most important to you, please go uh, to those parking meetings uh, and uh, voice your opinion on that. Richmond300.com has a list of when all of these meetings are. Um, You can also go to the community consultations or join a working group. Yeah, volunteer to participate in the advisory council committee. Um, you can serve as an ambassador to the project. You can literally just, if none of those work for you, um, because you might be one of those people that don't have bus access <laughs> to get, you know, one of these people we're trying to talk about here, um, you can actually submit feedback online. Yep. You don't even have to go to the meeting. You nope. can just send it right to them online. Um, and they have... Uh, like she said, you can join the email list. They have Facebook. They have Instagram. Or you can shoot them an email, richmond300 at richmondgov.com. And hmm. so the next advisory council meeting, which is always open to the public, is June 13th. Um, and they're going to talk about how they're going to use the master plan, um, some final insights report. Mm-hmm. So it'll uh, what we're looking at right now will be in its final stages mm-hmm. by that time. And then a market value analysis presentation, which should be interesting. Mm -hmm. But this really is your opportunity as a citizen to put your stamp on the city um, and on this master plan. Look, we've had tons and tons of master plans Mm -hmm. over the years. Seriously, go to the city website and read them. Fall into that K-hole, you'll never get out. But We just told you how effective or ineffective some of them have been. People will propose things and... They get on the master plan, but they don't get accomplished. Well, why do you think that is? Because nobody holds anybody's feet to the fire. Mm-hmm. Accountability. Nobody says anything. And we know y'all are riled up. We know the citizens of Richmond are riled up and ready for a better city. So now is your chance for real. Let's make this master plan actually work. Let's meet our goal of 2037, the 300th anniversary of this city that is so striving for greatness Mm -hmm. let's make it great let's make this master plan our master plan don't let city officials run over top of you stand up for your neighborhood stand up for your neighboring neighborhood stand up for the kids in this city stand up for the less fortunate in this city let everybody know what you think it's lacking and what you think is great and what you think needs to be elevated here. And show up at the meeting, show up at the meeting and voice that, and then hold them accountable afterwards. Yep, accountability, transparency. That's what we're all about here at RVA Dirt. It's what you should be all about in this city. 
And I think we're about to wrap it up. Fran, do you have any closing remarks uh, on this tentative master plan that we are getting ready to start working on? Yeah, I hope everybody does do that. I hope that they come out. Uh, Richmond Public Schools still doesn't have a fully funded plan. And uh, we'll see y'all next week. Righto. <laughs> so we forgot to mention a few things during the original recording, so I thought I would just sneak them in here at the end. Um, the parking study public meetings, they're going to start up real soon. So the week of June 11th is where they are beginning. So there'll be a Carytown parking meeting on Tuesday, June 12th from 8 to 10 a.m. at Studio 23. The Brooklyn Park Six Points parking meeting will be June 12th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Highland Park Senior Apartments. Scott's Edition parking and circulation meeting will be Wednesday, June 13th from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. at Studio 23. The fan parking meeting will be Wednesday, June 13th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at Rich Richmond Central DMV. Downtown parking meeting will be Thursday, June 14th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the Main Library. The Manchester parking meeting is June 14th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at Plant Zero event space. And the Libby Grove Patterson parking meeting is Saturday, June 16th, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the Richmond Central DMV. Something else of interest that I am personally very stoked about are the map booklets. Map booklets are coming. So there'll be a booklet for each city council district. And you know we are going to have to collect them all. Like council district Pokemon. Except no one will be forced to live in a billiard ball and fight for an oppressive Pokemaster. So some of the things those map booklets are going to cover, there's a lot here. But um, so the base map and neighborhoods, existing land use, master plan, future land use, zoning districts, uh, land cover, environmentally sensitive areas, parks and open spaces, historic districts, year of construction, census block groups, race and ethnicity, median household income, economic development zones, assessed value, property transfers, vacancies, affordable housing, market value analysis, transit infrastructure, bike and pedestrian infrastructure, average daily traffic, crashes, and walk score. So this should be really interesting. So everybody keep your eyes open for that. And of course, you know, we'll let you know what we find out and when they're released. And finally, part of the process of developing a master plan is also to develop a brand identity for the city of Richmond. And so I thought it'd be fun to ask some of our Twitter followers what they thought was Richmond's current brand identity. So here are a few of these answers. Richmond, where the mess is as hot as it comes. Petty, Richmond, maybe we won't have as many murders this year. Gentrification, pro bike versus no bike. A clicky, hipstery brand of beer that has a Confederate monument on the label and thematically a mustache somewhere in there, with traffic and potholes and no left turns, ever. Just another city that cares more about big money than its people. Wow, so this is what a few of your neighbors think about the current state of Richmond. And so if you would like to change that, please go to these meetings. Go to richmond300.com and go through... Um, the participate section and get involved. This is your city, so this should be your master plan. Once again, thank you so much for listening to RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania on WRIRLP 97.3 FM, Richmond. As always, if you want to start a conversation with us, you can hit us up 
across all social media at RVA Dirt. We'll be super happy to talk to you. Also, make sure that you hit us up in the archives at WRIR.org slash listen if you missed this show. And we also have a SoundCloud. You can search RVA Dirt for past episodes. We produce our own show because we are awesome and we don't need any help. Well, maybe we do need some help in other areas, but that's for another day to discuss. <laughs> Next week, Jessie will be back. Yay! And maybe she'll bring me a Puerto Rican chicken. That'd be awesome. Our theme song is Manic Monday because most municipal meetings are on Monday, so you should go. All right, until next Wednesday, folks.